You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. This is one of those shows we recorded well in advance, and uh, so you're in the future, and you know the recent past, and I don't. So you have superpowers right now that I do not. In the last uh, few weeks, we saw Senator John Ensign reveal that he had an extramarital affair, Republican conservative family values dickwad from Nevada. And now, uh, right around the time we recorded this show, Governor Sanford in South Carolina disappeared for a few days. His staff said he was, quote unquote, hiking the Appalachian Trail, which is now a euphemism for going to Argentina and fucking someone who is not your wife. And I'm just sort of hoping that all of you in the future – now know something that I in the past, past, past don't know, uh, which is if anybody else has come out of the closet about their extramarital affairs in the last few weeks. Because these things come in threes. A lot of really good things come in threes. And I'd like to think that in the intervening weeks, the weeks between us recording this podcast and you listening to it, that another Republican douchebag family values conservative uh, fuckwit has been outed as a hypocrite uh, and a douchebag fuckwit conservative Christian hypocrite. <laughs> anyway, you know something I don't and I look forward to catching up with you in the future and finding out what you know now. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus three adult DVDs plus an extra gift plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. I am a 24-year-old straight male. Been straight as far as I know my entire life. Suddenly I find myself in a new job and one of my coworkers who is a very much out gay man is suddenly really turning my crank. And I'm not really sure how to broach this subject to him. Um, I still consider myself pretty much straight. I still have all the same desire for women I always have had. But suddenly there's a little bit of a hunger to try something new. And I'm wondering what would be the best way to handle this without going too far off the deep end. And what's my best way to navigate these waters as a straight man who's interested in possibly getting something done with another guy? Hello? Oh, hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Not too bad. Have you sucked any dick yet? <laughs> I am not yet. <laughs> Good, I wanted to catch you before you sucked cock. Uh, okay. Because I wanted to talk to you while you were still straight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding uh, about the, the, the still straight thing. I'm looking forward to you being gay. Now listen, what's the worst he can say if you just tell him the truth? You say what you said to all of us. Into women, mostly straight, never really attracted to a dude before. Something about you, though. You are the exception. And I suppose, I, I, I suppose that my major concern is that, I don't know, I've never really had that kind of feeling towards a guy before. And, I don't know, it just seems really awkward to me. Kind of like, you know, the first time you ask a girl on a date when you're young and all that kind of stuff. Well, it is awkward. You're hitting on somebody, and it's an awkward set of circumstances. So just embrace the awkwardness. Say, this is awkward. I'm sure it's awkward for you to hear. It's awkward for me to have felt. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I'd like to suck your cock. Sure. What, what do you think would be the ideal situation to uh, 
present that sort of thing. Over drinks. Over several dozen. <laughs> oh, I think I can definitely handle the several dozen part. <laughs> and the worst he can say, the worst he can say is no. Okay. And then I suppose you react. I suppose that's the attitude I've always taken into all my other relationships. So I mean, I don't know. I just feel for some reason different with a different object of desire at the moment. You know what I mean? You hit on men this basically the same way you hit on women. Yeah. And the worst you can say is no, and you just like lay it out there and say, but you know, what you have to be sure to say is, I'm going to be with a woman when I grow up. Or, I, I don't think I'm gay. I think you're that one dude kicking around the world is the exception uh, that I'm into. And if you're up for it, let's, you know, have a really friendly bit of uh, rolling around, maybe a little affair where you get some sex and I get some sex and we're buds for the rest of our lives. So what would you recommend in terms of the speed at which things should progress? Because like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit apprehensive about the physical part of it, just having, you know, being a first-timer, and at what rate of speed I should take that. But at the same time, I know that, everything you, you know. Everything you're saying to me, you need to say to him. Okay. I say, like you always say, anyone who won't listen and hear you out, reacts badly, that sort of thing, is a phone to be with anyway, right? Right. Exactly. But all your all your sort of uh, concerns and hesitancies, uh, you need to express those to him, and you're being really articulate about it with me. And you don't have to like go in there like you know what you're doing. You don't have to go in there like, oh, I'm a gay Lothario now, and I know exactly how I'm going to be really seductive <laughs> and la la la. You should go in there and say, I'm I'm a little flummoxed by how I feel about you. And, you know, he may cut you off right away and say, I have a boyfriend, or I'm not interested. Thanks, I'm not attracted to you. And then you won't have to unpack the rest of this crap. Sure. You get shot down out of the gate. <laughs> I suppose. And, but then if he's if he's up for it, then you, like, have a conversation where you say, the first time, let's just roll around and kiss, because I feel awkward, and I don't understand this, and I really want to take it slow. And, you know, there's some gay guys out there who live for betting the odd straight guy. I suppose the same way that all the straight guys want to bet a lesbian at some point, right? Exactly. Good luck. Hi, I'm a 31-year-old straight female in Seattle. Um, I've recently gone back to school and gotten involved with a much younger guy who's 21, um, but we're both poor college students. Lately, we've gotten into this pattern where I pay for everything, um, and at this point, after dinner, he doesn't even reach for his wallet, which is kind of frustrating, but money is the most uncomfortable thing in the world to talk about. And so I didn't know if you have any advice on how to uh, broach the subject of uh, splitting the tab. I don't understand sometimes what the fuck is wrong with people. He doesn't pull out his wallet. You're feeling a little odd about that. You look across the table and say, where's your money? Let's split this. You need to open your mouth. Uh, I guess maybe on some level you're afraid that this 21-year-old hottie uh, is going to bolt if you don't pay for it. You're the older woman. If you don't pay for everything, like there's some sort of power thing there or he has some leverage, obviously, because you're afraid to be honest about what you're feeling, when you're feeling it, and how you're feeling it and just toss it back in his lap. You know, uh, it kind of makes me uncomfortable that I'm paying for everything. Blank. Just Say it out loud to him, not to me, to him. Hi, I'm a 28-year-old straight male, and my wife has no sex drive. We got married in January of this year, and her mother died in May of 08. So I understand that, you know, there's a mourning period and all, but 
I mean, I can count the number of times we've had sex on one hand since we've been married, and how long do I have to wait? Here's something else I don't understand. A lot of people will make their partners feel sexually rejected. And because of the way the culture works about sex, it's the partner who wants sex, who's always the villain and the bad guy. And they need to give the other partner more space or more time. They need to uh, do, be doing more of the housework or childcare or whatever it is. Um, and the, the partner who desires sex is sort of treated like a criminal, like there's something wrong with them. Why? Because they want this dirty sex stuff. And our culture says that sex is dirty and gross and unimportant. And if you want it, there's something wrong with you. And the person who's denying sex can sort of swan about playing the victim and the virtuous one because they're not interested in that dirty sex thing. Uh, and what I want to drop other listeners' attention to is the pain in this man's voice. Uh, it really sounds like he's hurting. He's the one who wants the dirty sex, but he's feeling rejected uh, and devalued and in, in and is in a lot of pain. And we usually don't acknowledge that about the rejected part. Or we're not allowed to acknowledge that. The person who's being put off, the person who's been cut off is hurt too or is hurting or is the victim in the situation. You say that your wife's mother died in May of last year and you married in January of this year and you can count on one hand the number of times you've had sex since. I don't want to discount your wife's pain. I understand what it's like to lose your mother under very painful circumstances. I just lost my mother under very painful circumstances. However, she owes it to herself and to you and to the other people in her life to pull her shit together. If she needs to get into therapy or counseling, if she needs to talk to somebody about this, she needs to go talk to somebody about this. She needs to reassemble herself so that she is a functioning and giving partner. And now I'm going to pour some poison in your ear. She may not be interested in sex, period, or she may not be interested in sex with you. And pointing to her dead mother allows her to win the argument. It makes her untouchable because then you're a monster. If she says, oh, you know, I'm just my libido is really in the tank since my mother died. What the fuck can you say in response to that without seeming callous and uncaring? Nothing, which is why it may be just what she's tossing out there. It may not actually be what she's feeling. And I would encourage her to get into counseling if she's still hung up on grief about her mother. But I would encourage both of you also, in addition, to get into counseling together to get to the bottom of what is really going on. And maybe what is really going on is she's still reeling from her mother's death. It also could be that what's really going on has nothing to do with her mother. And you deserve answers. Either way. Hey, Doc Savage, 27, active duty military, have been for the last nine years. I plan on staying in, and I'm as single as single could possibly be. You know, no fiancé, girlfriend, wife. Uh, I don't even have kids. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, I thought about it. You know, me being in a relationship with a woman means every three to four years, she's going to have to get up and leave you know, if she's going to stay with me at all. Um, and I, I keep, part of me feels like I'm being really selfish, wanting a relationship for myself, knowing that I can handle it, and knowing that most people, the average person, can't handle leaving every three or four years. And I was just wondering, am I thinking too hard about this, or is, or is it kind of selfish, you know, for me at this point to want to be with somebody 
and they're going to have to change their whole life because of my life. What's the deal here? I love the way you say uh, you have no fiance, no girlfriend, no wife, and then add, I don't even have kids. I, I mean, I guess you couldn't have a current girlfriend, fiance, or wife and have kids, but you kind of need a, a girl on the scene at some point uh, if you're going to have kids. Look, if being with you means signing up for moving every three or four years, the women you date just need to be informed that that is a consequence potentially of a lifelong attachment to you. And don't assume that there aren't women out there who don't want to see the world, who that wouldn't be an attractive part of the package that is you, that being with you means every few years they're going to get to move to Korea or wherever it is the army keeps shifting people or Iraq or wherever it is they're going to send you. Um, you're projecting your own insecurity about this aspect of being in a relationship with you onto all the women in the world and then walking away from all of them and saying none of them could possibly be interested in me because of X. Whereas X, a woman who loves you badly enough will put up with it or tolerate it or get used to it. Or there are women out there, again, like I said, who that would be uh, a point in your favor. Just be open and explicit and upfront about it and stop thinking about it so hard. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs, plus a free extra gift, plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm calling because I'm having a moment of, you know, when you think that you always really agree with someone and really like their ideas and how they think, and that's how I feel about you. I always agree with you and love what you have to say. And then I'm listening to an old podcast because I'm kind of getting more into it now, and I listen to them kind of backwards at this point. And you advise someone to take ecstasy, and that kind of bothered me because I just don't think it's like the healthiest, safest advice to take ecstasy. Honestly, that may be because I am a substance abuse counselor, but really, I mean, for some people, ecstasy, I'm sure, you know, you could take it and not end up with a problem or have any bad results from it, but it can be very debilitating to the dopamine system and it can leave people really seriously depressed after using it, which I'm sure you know. And I know that you are speaking to adults who can make their own decisions about these things, but there are a lot of young listeners that I know you have, and uh, there wasn't even any kind of disclaimer about it, and I don't, I don't know. It, it kind of weirded me out, and I just wonder, I actually just want to know a little bit more about your philosophy on, you know, drug experimentation and and all that. And, and I wonder, you know, would, if you would advise your child to take ecstasy. I don't know. Just wondering. Think of the children. Who will think of the children? Um, yeah, I advise somebody to take ecstasy. I do believe that you can use recreational drugs responsibly, and not all drug use is abuse. Not all recreational drug use is abuse. And if you know anything about the history of MDMA, it was developed as a therapeutic tool, and they're currently studying it, studying it as a treatment for people with post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was used very successfully in the 70s uh, by couples counselors who would bring together warring couples who couldn't see what they liked about each other anymore, dose them, and then suddenly they could see what they liked about each other when they first met. Uh, 
I don't think that uh, people should use drugs all the time. Uh, my sort of personal philosophy about recreational drugs is when you find one you really like – you shouldn't use it often at all. You take a drug once, you're like, oh, my God, that was amazing. What a mind-bending, mind-blowing experience I had. That drug is one you need to put on the shelf for years at a time because if you take a drug that you like its effect, you take it constantly. Soon it doesn't have that effect on you anymore. Soon you're taking that drug to feel like it's Tuesday morning, not to feel like um, you're in space with God. You know what I mean? But think of the children. I, God, I hate you on some of them. I know you liked me and you kept saying that, but God, I really hate you. The, the tone of your voice, the reproving tone of your voice and that, I'm a drug abuse recovery counselor. Of course you are. And of course that might skew your perception of drugs because everyone you see coming through the door who's used drugs has a drug problem because you don't get to meet the people who've used drugs responsibly and cautiously who don't have a drug problem. And so that may make your concerns or worries heightened because all you see are the negative consequences. Whereas I, uh, with all my drug abusing friends, see the, the, the positive consequences. So what, what, what will I tell my kid? Of course you have to drag my kid into this because one of the skills you acquire in drug abuse counseling education school is emotionally manipulative piece of shit stunts like, what are you going to tell your child? Would I want my child to use ecstasy? Not ecstasy bought in a middle school, not ecstasy he could find in a high school. I wouldn't want him to use the adulterated crap drugs that are out there on the streets uh, that, that, that he would have access to you know, as a young person. But if he can get his hands one day on pretty good ecstasy, what would I tell him about ecstasy? I would tell him that it can leave you depressed the day after. So you need to block out a lot of time if you're going to do E. You don't want to do a lot. You can overdose on it. Um, and, you know, the day after, you need to sit there and go, oh, I feel a little depressed. And then you need to go, it's not because my life sucks. It's because I did E yesterday. You can do that. You can have a rational thought that overrides whatever sort of hangover you're having. It's not like the day after you get shit-faced drunk and you have a bad hangover, you sit there going, oh, I must be having a brain aneurysm because my head hurts so bad. You can go, oh, no, I drank a lot and now my head hurts. And you can do that after E. You can take E one night and the next day be a little depressed and think, I'm depressed because I did E. Not because my life is depressing or the world is coming to an end or I suck and all my friends suck. Just I did eat, so I'm going to put a movie in and eat some ice cream and chill, which is what you do the day after you do eat. And that's what I would and will tell him when the time comes. But he's a little young for that right now. But thank you for your emotionally manipulative call. Hey, Dan. Uh, my name is Chris, and I'm calling from uh, Vancouver, Canada. I'm actually calling because I was just listening to your last podcast, 141. And there was a guy who called about um, his college and um, the whole bisexual thing about how a lot of people are claiming that they're bisexual and and was basically wanting to know what basically if it was a fad or not and what the deal was. And I'm actually calling because I'm a gay man who's active in like the the leather fetish BDSM community um, in North America and elsewhere. Um, and I'm, I'm one of these types that's into the Tom Selleck clone who basically, uh, I crave or am attracted to that like hyper masculine man, you know, the facial hair and, and the muscles and the leather and, you know, everything that goes with it. And I've never had any sort of encounter with a female or transgender individual. And I go to some of these events, you know, or some leather bars or wherever, 
and notice that there's other leathermen who might greet, uh, you know, a tranny with a, a, a makeout or, or, you know, there's all kinds of men who are active in this scene who are bisexual. And I'm totally okay with that. That's cool. That's great. But my question is more or less, is there, should I be concerned? Should I be thinking to myself, what's wrong with me that I'm not more open to sexual experiences with transgendered individuals or women? Because um, if I was, then I'd be getting that much more action. But I'm just not attracted to that. And I'm also, of course, totally fine about that. But I'm just more or less curious where you stand um, when it's a gay man asking that question. Because I, I, I realize that, you know, it goes both ways. It's not just about the straight community accepting the homosexual community. It's also about us sort of, you know, thinking what it would be like if we were in their shoes. We can be accepting of each other without having to accept each other into our mouths. Uh, you're under no obligation to uh, sleep with anybody that you're not attracted to. And if FTMs don't work for you uh, because they don't tip far enough into the Tom Selleck hypermasculinity column uh, to crank you uh, or to turn your crank, that's fine. That's your personal preference. That's your personal tastes. Um, you know, there are some really hypermasculine FTMs out there. I would uh, direct your attention to Buck Angel, who's been on the program before and been on the column before, who is uh, more masculine, probably uh, with a pink bonnet on his head, than I am in full leather. Uh, but that being said, you know, you as a gay guy have a, have a right to a preference to somebody with a dick, uh, and all the rest of it. Um, I think it's wonderful that there are guys out there who are gay, who have dated FTMs and that there are guys who are straight who've dated, uh, MTFs. Um, it's part of the brave new world, but, um, it is a voluntary, uh, occupation, not something you have to feel guilty about. So long as you treat everybody with respect and kindness and you don't react to FTMs like they're freaks because they're not, you're all good. Hi, Dan. I'm calling because I've had some really weird symptoms, and I believe it to be caused by a drunken night with a good friend who thought it was a good idea to slip it into my butt and then try to have sex with me again. And we weren't using a condom. And now my vagina is exceptionally dry, and I pee a lot. Not like UTI a lot, but still a lot. And I um, feel like I have an object in there sometimes, which is really bizarre. I think I said we didn't use a condom. He says he's clean. I bet when, when anybody has sex, they say they're clean. But any advice would be appreciated. The confluence of these three symptoms, dry vagina, peeing a lot, and the sense that there's an object in there, I would say that you have a really bad case of being goobed out. I think it's all in your head and your twat and your urethra and your butt. Um, he violated you. He stuffed his dick in your ass without your consent when you were shit-faced, and you're still reeling from it emotionally, clearly. Um, he says he's clean. Go to the doctor. Get checked out. Insist that he go to the doctor, particularly if you're ever going to let him get near you again. And you know what? Don't let him get near you again. Somebody who shoves his dick in your ass without a mother may I. Uh, isn't anybody should be anywhere near your ass ever again? That's not someone who should have been near your ass in the first place. 
to my diagnosis, this is psychological, but, but go to the doctor, get checked out, get a full battery of SCI tests. If you're concerned that there's some mysterious something or other in your ass, have them take a look. Uh, and hopefully that'll set your mind at ease. And you know what? Don't see this guy again. That would also set your mind at ease. That'll set my mind at ease. The call-in aspect of the podcast tripped some people up. Uh, so I still get emails about the podcast. And I usually don't use them on the podcast, but I'm going to make an exception. Uh, I would like to express my disapproval of your comments about asexuality and asexuals on your June 2nd podcast, episode 137. Asexual does not mean, quote, you have no interest in sex or romance or anything, close quote. I assume she's quoting me. I'm not going to go listen to that fucking podcast again. It means you don't experience sexual attraction, period. Many asexuals still desire romance. And if you think love and sex are so closely tied, perhaps you think prostitutes are the most loving people in the world. Hmm? Yes, a relationship with an asexual individual doesn't work for a lot of people, but this certainly doesn't mean that asexuals must stay at home, be alone, which apparently was my advice. Again, I haven't confirmed that because I am not listening to my own podcast ever again. I am asexual, just in case there's any confusion about where this letter was going. I have never been interested in sex with anyone, but I only discovered that asexuality even existed several months into a relationship. Was this my fault? I told my boyfriend, fully expecting to be dumped, as you recommended to your caller. Instead, he told me he was okay with it and expressed full willingness to find alternative ways of showing our love. Three years later, we're still together. Thank you for your time. I don't normally send emails of this sort. You couldn't tell because you're pretty good at this. But your comments feel to me like a personal attack on my orientation and with the details of asexuality so widely unknown, I don't appreciate the spread of misinformation in the future when people are looking for an explanation of asexuality. You might refer them to www.asexuality.org. Love, Stephanie. I don't want to pick a fight with the asexual community who I understand will be marching in many of the gay pride parades this weekend um, or this summer. And I appreciate the feedback, staff, and I'm sorry if I offended you, but, you know, reading your letter, I couldn't help but think that that boyfriend of yours who hung out after you said that you weren't into sex three months into this relationship, that he's either a fool or a faggot. Really, that's what I was thinking, listening to reading your letter, like, that guy's a fool or a faggot, or he's getting it somewhere else, which is an option. That would be fine with me. I don't know if that's fine with you. But you know what? If what you're doing works for you guys, if a romantic relationship devoid of sexual attraction and sexual activity works for you guys, then it works for you guys. And who am I to argue with success? That said, I do think that people who most people, the overwhelming majority of people who seek romantic relationships are also looking to fuck looking to incorporate the sex and the romance together. Even prostitutes uh, will often have relationships where they've incorporated the sex and romance together. There's work sex and there's love sex for a lot of the prostitutes I know. So I do think, and I will say again, that the onus falls to the asexually identified to be open about that at the outset, of a, at the onset, outset, onset, at the beginning of the relationship. It really falls to you to say, oh, thank you for asking me out. Here's my phone number. <laughs> Just so there's no confusion, I will not be sucking your dick. Because I'm just not into dick or sucking or kissing or fucking. But we can find alternative ways of showing our love, if you like. And most people won't like. 
But you know what? Eventually you'll find the guy that does like, as Steph here seems to have done. Thank you very much for the feedback. And we're going to leave it there. Uh, and I just was passed a note from one of the tech savvy at risk youth telling me that one of the three of them identifies as asexual and they're not telling me which one. So uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend because I'm going to go do some research and try to figure out which one of the tech savvy at risk youth is a secret, highly placed operative of the asexual conspiracy. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show... Uh, or a complaint for a future show. Please, no email for the shows. 206-201-2720. Leave a name and a callback number. And you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can also read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And me and the Tech Heavy at-risk youth and I will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. 